Keys with it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his bitchy nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook BBL podcast, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I am your host, Tim Williams. Today's episode will be covering the upcoming Supercoach BBL rounds 10 and 11. Quick turnover between those two. Uh, we, we're midway through round nine as we speak, and it has been one of the most difficult rounds of the season between High-profile, highly-owned players being laid out, thinking of Henry Thornton, Matty Wade, Marcus Stoinis, Sydney Sixers on the bye. They came off two double game weeks in the space of about three rounds, and they were highly-owned. Uh, the Kuma Stallions, we're playing one short unless Baxter Holt produces a miracle and plays tonight, which he's probably not even in the squad, probably not even <laughs> playing cricket at the moment. So unlikely. Late COVID call-up, potentially. Maybe, maybe a late COVID call-up. That could be uh, my my ticket to a full side. The great Colin DeVerno, not playing the second game because he did his hammy, of course. Um, here to talk through it with me is the man you just heard, the Supercoach Spy. Spy, we've given it to you all season, but you are flying. That's what I do, mate, under pressure. Respond to the barbs. Just spend a bit of a head down sort of season where I've just tried to fly, fly under the radar and all of a sudden I put up on Twitter the other day that I'm about 150th and there was some excitement, there was some panic, there was some buzz. Can he get it done late in the season? We will see. Um, obviously plenty of, of good coaches, managers ahead of me, including yourself, but I've just been trickling along pretty nicely. I did uh, I did actually have Thornton and Manus this week, so speaking of a tough round, I've spent about 400k there for 10 points combined. So <laughs> But Aaron Hardy, the big dog, getting it done and smashing a few into the stands late last night. Inglis, it's actually been okay. So, yeah, I'm a bit like you. I'm hoping Thornton plays. Um, can't even keep up. They might be tonight. That would be huge because I think he can do some damage at the MCG. Um, otherwise, Dull Jack, Joel Davies sorry, could come in and have three or four runouts for 100 points. So, I'd say <laughs> one of them would come in for a full side. But, no, going all right and um, be... I'm really excited about the next few rounds where it's single game weeks. So we can get a bit of variety in teams. Skippers and VCs become difficult because the pressure is on. You could easily land a zero there. So, yeah, look forward to getting into it and, and see what, what you boys think. Mm, the double single game weeks coming up. Such a it's really good time in the Supercoach season. Not I shouldn't say not too much to worry about because Loop's coming to play heavily, so it can be a bit, a bit stressful. Uh, also here to talk to us is former Sydney Sixers media manager, quick Australia commentator, all-round good bloke, Maxie Bryden. Maxie. G'day, Timmy. G'day, Spy. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah, the viewers, sorry, the listeners rather, they won't be able to see the signs in front of me, but watching the Supercoach Spy here, he's still got his face masked and, and hidden just so oh, there's absolutely no chance we can unmask the fella, but hasn't stopped <laughs> him uh, from uh, taking his shirt off as well for the pod. So uh, an absolute treat for my eyes today. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the a little bit, mate, over the summer, but I think I'm going okay. Love it. Mate, no, you're in good nick. <laughs> yeah, mate, I, I thought you had the lights on in that room. It was so blindingly white. <laughs> <laughs> you actually get to uh, choose a little name for, for yourself on the program we use. And, um, you know, I use Tim Williams being my, my birth name. Maxie Bryden uses Max Bryden because it's his birth name. Uh, the Spy, 
He's not the spy, which is, funnily enough, his birth name. He's gone with Shadab. So we might have to refer to him as Shadab for the rest of the podcast. Shadab is my name when I want to get my second alias going, so it's just just flying well under the radar there. That's <laughs> your us, mate. What do you got? Mate, no, team's doing okay at the moment. I, I had a huge round um, last round, Spino. You went big and I was um, pretty lucky to, to go just bigger. I had a 1,132, um, which, which I thought felt good and it was actually the 304th best score for the round. Um, got me about 230 places up the rankings, up to 210th. So um, just behind you, Spy, and um, chasing on you as well, Timmy. Um, and look, a lot of that was off the back of the, the great man, Caleb Jewell. Um, yes. w- was lucky enough to, to nail him for the, the double game week for his 150-odd, um, looped him in, happy days, and he's done it again this week. So um, with the exception of him, though, my, my team's really up and down. Um, brought in Joe Clark for the double, and he failed in game one. Uh, brought in Ashton Hagar. You blokes, you, you blokes know how I feel about that this morning. Um, after his, uh, I think he probably scored about 18 points or something last night, which was pretty shocking when um, Aaron Hardy was just so highly owned. Um, Michael Nisa, one of my single game week players, got a big fat zero, um, which, which was lucky. But um, teams tracking along okay. Um, was hopeful for a little bit of a rise this round, but might just be a bit of a hold. But that's a great thing with double game weeks. I've still got eight left in the game. Just on that, Maxi, and quickly, we've actually had a bit of a trade unintentionally. You mentioned a few weeks ago that Caleb Jewell was my original boy, which I barely remember, to be <laughs> honest, so I'm glad you did. But obviously, I saw a bit of talent in there, which has come to fruition now. Definitely playing now. Yeah, well, it's on, re- it's on the recordings. Go back and find it. Um, and your boy thought and I stole recently, so uh, a bit of a trade there, but maybe we can end up with a bit of success uh, and both of the boys. Look, and as you said, mate, you know, Thornton hasn't worked out too well for you that bad. I think he sat out sort of two of the last three, uh, if not more. But look, Caleb's been fantastic. And I think that um, one of the great things that uh, you've got to switch on in your mind when you're jumping, particularly between like BBL and NRL Supercoach, and as soon as you play NRL Supercoach, everyone goes, no, you're chasing points, you're chasing points. But in BBL Supercoach, that just equates to chasing form, right? And the, mm. the, the bloke coming in with a negative break even into a double game week just after smashing Rashid Khan all over Blunstone yeah. Oval felt like um, a, a pretty safe choice, to be fair, much as Aaron Hardy was last night for the Perth Scorchers. We've, we've seen how that's played out. Um, and certainly chasing that form is going to be one of my tactics that I'll be using in the single game weeks coming up. You've said some smart stuff this year, mate, but that is actually, you've nailed it there. AFL, NRL, you can chase points. Form doesn't always equate to scoring. It just depends what happens in the game. Cricket, as we know, if you're in a slump, you're in a slump, and vice versa. When you're seeing it like a beach ball, uh, that does tend to stick for a while. So one of your best, one of your best. Thanks, man. Just a shame it's coming out in round nine. (laughs) Yeah, 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 a little little too late. Sorry, mate. Um, The podcast sitting pretty, though, and old Ashton Agar. Now, some fella uh, sent me a tweeted me last night for the game and he said Agar or Berendorf and and my reply was that I preferred Agar simply because I was looking at someone definitely in the two games. That Scorch's bowling rotation for the Quicks really worries me. I thought Dorf is, what, two games in three days or something, every chance to, to sit out the second one, which he still might be. So it wasn't <coughs> that I thought Agar was better. I thought he was the safer play. Dorf comes out and He's so good. Just put on an absolute masterclass. He got through his four overs within the first 11 or something overs. We talk about rolls and bowling death. It doesn't matter for that bloke. He, he's so good up front for them. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully Agar comes out and plays the second. Dorf rests. Agar takes takes four, which uh, that would produce need a miracle. So, yeah, what are your thoughts, Maxi? 
Well, the only issue that I had, and this again was sort of just lumped on the pain this morning, was just thinking about him playing against the Sydney Thunder, whose t- whole top three uh, are all left-handers, which is a horrible matchup for um, for Ashton Agar. So um, no guarantee he's any, he's any better in game two. So um, <laughs> he might feature in one of my trade-outs as well next week. We'll, we'll see. On the flip, though, boys, I was walking the dog last night about 10 minutes before four first ball, as I tend to do, try to get it in. And um, I was trying to solve between Agar and Hardy, and I thankfully went Hardy. But it can change so quickly. Like, Agar could – he might not bowl at the top three. He might come on mid-overs, take three far, and then hit 30 off 10 balls. Like, he's more than capable, and Hardy could get a duck. So, like, you, one thing you don't do is early throw in a double game week because a lot to unfold. Yeah, I've early crowed for Colin de Granholm after his first innings the last – since bringing him in – he goes nuts, early crow in the WhatsApp group, and he comes out and doesn't bowl or does his hammy or something. But honestly, he's on fire, the big fella. Just, just lacking, lacking the opportunity and the, and the respect he deserves from that club, to be honest. Just give him I reckon, I reckon he's just sick of hearing the Aussie pronunciation of his name in the grand home. He's like, just a grand home, guys. Give me a bit of accent here because that is some hard. We say it so harsh compared to the, the mighty Kiwis. Yeah, Shadab the linguist. He's got it all, this fella. Uh, the Stallions, uh, also I was tossing up between Agar and Hardy as well, and then it was when they named five frontline bowls, I thought, all right, Hardy's not getting his bowl. Uh, came to fruition, all good, made sense, and then he did damage with the bat. So be it, good luck to him. It was, a bloody, it was an, an enjoyable innings to knock, uh, knock, knock to watch. That being said, Inglis way better to watch, and I did own him. Uh, we're 76th overall off a disappointing 9.21 last round. Um, bit of a funny one because I'm sort of sitting there going, I was just a few disappointing rounds, and I thought I'd be in free, free fall and going a lot worse than I am than 76. I've held rank like semi-okay, uh, but at the same time, while I'm thinking, oh, I'm fortunate to be still be 76, there's another side of me going, geez, I could have had a few things going my way. Who knows where to be? Uh, but as the spy said, we know how quickly this game can turn. Going well this week, but I said missing now to Grand Home for game two of the double. I'm playing a player short. A few other things haven't worked out, but players on field have done really well for me. So hopefully see a bit of green by the end of this round. Guys, Stat HQ, I've teased it all season, and this is the new SC Playbook BBL Data Center. It looks amazing. There's been a lot of work going into it to get it nailed. Uh, there's just a few little stats we're trying to clean up and line up to get them absolutely perfect for you. Now, with the quick turnaround and, and we've got what, another couple of weeks left, I don't know if it'll be perfect by the time this season ends, but we do want to show it off and get it in your eyes, for in your head, so you know what's coming next season. So I think the plan is the next few days or the next week, once we're, we're very, very close to launch it, it will not be perfect, but I think it will get you excited for having it on, on board for next season uh, in saying that. Nearly all the stats are just about good to go. It's got the VC loophole calculator on there that we've got on the main site. Price change calculators, strength of opposition rankings. There are so many good things. So we'll do a soft launch, hopefully over the next week, so you can uh, have a look at that one. Guys, the SC Playbook in-house league, third overall. We're not far off the mark. Tragic's Elite League is leading the way. A uh, great Facebook pay, uh, group there, Tragic's Elite, full of good people. Uh, Maxi, you and I are actually in that. There might be some other, I'm not sure if there's any other SC Playbook members, but a little bit counterproductive because we want SC Playbook to win it. But if Tragic's win it, we're a part of that one as well. So we'll take that one. Get a load of this. The SC Playbook Unlimited group, so only SC Playbook audience, I am coming 34th overall, and I'm 76, 76 overall in Axel Supercoach. So uh, it says something about uh, the group there. Keep up. Terrace Crew, 
coached by Maddie, is leading the way. He's third overall. Brent, coach of the Pies, and Kurt, coach of Rotten Potatoes. They're just behind also in the top 10 overall. Shout out to last year's champion, Andrew, coach of Diabolical Point. I was going through the rankings today, also in our group, 13th overall. What a bloody weapon that man is. Could do it again. Yeah, imagine I'm back to back. Holy dooly. Massive. Um, today's episode, Max is going to go through the scoring trends of each side, the best and worst Supercoach sides, uh, doing his big deep dive analysis into that one. Fixture analysis update. I'm just going to run through the final four rounds of the Supercoach season. The teams you need to be targeting for your loophole plays, for your your skipper plays, these sorts of things. Give a little bit of insight into that, and it should help your trade targets. As we said, two single game weeks in a row. We don't have to worry about doubles too much at all. Uh, so we'll do a single game week analysis and also look at the antipods, the players that are highly owned that we want to go against during that period. I think the Spy's got his ideal 11 uh, set up for us for the run home. All that, trades and skippers, round 10-11, Listener questions at the end. Uh, big episode, boys. Big episode. Maxi, I'll throw to you. Scoring trends. Fire. Thanks, Maze. Um, yeah, look, this is something that the WhatsApp subscribers uh, know well because we've we've had a, a few discussions in there. But um, something I've been tracking throughout the whole season is just um, what every team is averaging for both their points scored and their points conceded, um, particularly in Supercoach. It's a really good way of just translating um, all of the Supercoach scoring um, into uh, like and to help you find like the sides that you target. Um, some of the really interesting trends that we're seeing in here uh, are just how closely this is starting to follow the ladder. Uh, and what this really does is confirm who are the good teams and who are the terrible teams in Supercoach. So starting at the top of the bat, the team that's scoring the most uh, is the Perth Scorchers, averaging 501 Supercoach points per game, um, which is massive. Uh, and they're also the best defensive team as well. Um, Supercoach points conceded is 399. They're, they're the only team who are, are conceding less than 400 points a game. I think that we saw that stat played out and someone called it out in the WhatsApp group last night with reference to Manus as well. Um, Manus coming in was it was a huge target for people as a, as a huge pod, a guy we know who can score 60-plus uh, in his sleep just given uh, his role. Uh, but up against a, a really, really strong Perth outfit, the question was raised, you know, is targeting him a good call? Mm. Um, and as it turns out, it wasn't. Um, not only was his bowling pretty shocking, but he couldn't really do much with the bat. Scratched away, scored 10, and that was all his super coach output, what it was. Um, looking at these stats as well, just to rattle off some of the more interesting things in terms of teams to target, the worst teams in super coach right now for conceding points are the Brisbane Heat, 493 per game. The Hobart Hurricanes, 486 per game. Uh, the Melbourne Stars, 480 per game. Uh, and the um, uh, next team, sorry, just trying to read my graphs now, uh, is the Melbourne Renegades, sorry, at 466. So the Heat, the Canes, the Renegades, and the Melbourne Stars, the four worst teams. And where this is really interesting as well is getting into your tactics and your targets for for double game weeks as well. Thinking about the Perth, the Perth Scorchers with a double in round 12, there's a team who could on average score 1,000 points in a double game week compared to the worst scoring team, the Brisbane Heat, who might only average 800 points. So really, you, you want a big piece of the pie when the good teams are on the double as well. So this is something that I love to track and looking at the trends as well, we've seen a drop-off in the Renegades of late, even the the mighty Adelaide strikers started so hot. They've dropped off a bit. They're just not really taking a lot of wickets, so their scoring's down. And this is something that uh, this data that I'll do a yarn on the website for in detail, um, but it's really helping guide my strategy, particularly for the single game weeks coming up. 
Yeah, and, and the takes I get from that, Maxi, uh, thinking off the top of the head, is that it it, it makes it obviously simplifies your your trade decisions, the direction you're going with them. But and a great example was last night. I think you mentioned the Brisbane Heat concede the the most points, was it? Yes. So I mean, we look at last night and last week's lineup. Last night's lineup, I should say, against the Scorchers, that was a lineup where. Bowling attack really weak. The batting lineup was strengthened significantly mm-hmm. by Manus and Uzi Kawaja. But two things in that if I'm looking at that and I'm looking at my trades, I'm looking at the scorches and you're thinking, all right, Ashton Agar, he's got a great role because he's an all-rounder and he should get a bit of a swing of the axe. But let's say the scorches roll through the, the heat for not a lot and then the heat's bowling attack aren't good enough to take wickets, as we saw. Now, they ended up scrounging their way to a half-decent total. <clears throat> But uh, the number three and the four batsmen did all the damage and they chased it two down. So, you know, on the data we're seeing, Ashtonago had a very little opportunity to actually swing the willow. Um, so that's just one small <coughs> example. Ashton Turner is another guy who would have come into this who didn't even get a chance to bat for anyone who brought him in for the double. Um, so that's my, again, brief sort of take on it and how it, it can be um, included in the Supercoach. Maxi, how much of that information goes into your trades? Um, it plays like a fairly considerable part, but I think that, as you said, that there are always caveats. And I would just say that even though the Brisbane Heat did on paper look to get stronger with with uh, Uzi and Manus coming in, they lost Colin Munro, who I think mm. was like the, the third or fourth leading run scorer in the whole competition. So um, they, they did lose considerably their best batsman. I, I think that what I also like to factor into is the grounds that clubs are playing at and what happens on those grounds. The, the issue in last night's game and, um, and the Brisbane Heat, they only scored 257 Supercoach points last night, which was which was quite shocking, um, is that Supercoach points most likely correlate to the teams who take the most wickets. So that's why Perth Scorchers are always near the top because they take the most wickets every single game. Yeah. And the fact that the, the Brisbane Heat only took two last night because of the weakness of their bowling meant that staying far away from them um, was, 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 a, was a great choice. I think that the other factor, particularly in a game like last night where we all had the opportunity to potentially update our trades on the Perth guys, is looking at what happens at the toss. Now, I think we all sat there before that game started and said, all right, Brisbane's batting first. They're up against the best bowling attack in the competition and their bowlers are weak. So realistically, they're going to find it hard to score and then it's probably going to be a pretty simple chase for the Scorchers. And that's that's exactly how it played out. That was what was leading me really, really hard to switch my my uh, yeah, trade in from Ashton Agar to Aaron Hardy. Um, I didn't do it. I was a little bit busy cooking dinner and uh, just got a little bit nervous of late. Oh, but um, look, it, it's just dinner. mate. Don't bring dinner into this. You're too nervous. <laughs> no, that's well, to be honest, mate, this, these seven forty games—they're they're clashing with dinner time hard in the Brighton household. <laughs> really, really, really doing me dirty. Bring back the seven ten, please. Um, but look, it's—it's it's just one of the things I think you've got to factor in um, grounds, and particularly when you do have doubles and a chance to update your trades. If you're targeting a team in particular, um, that's when it can really come in handy. Yeah, I can just picture you—you, Maxi, seven thirty on the dot, and you've just got this like. One kilo monster T-bone steak <laughs> sit there, and you're just watching it like a hawk, being the man that you are. Uh, and sometimes Big Bash Supercoach has to take a back seat when you're looking after your big steak. So that's it, man. You sound like you're stalking me. That's um, that's pretty bang on. I do stalk you, Maxie. Um, <laughs> that ties in, I suppose, a little bit to a fixture analysis, uh, and not something we spend a lot of time on. But I just wanted to, for the last four rounds of the competition, to help you with your trades. 
it's so important around guys that you want to be able to auto emergency loop for for points purposes, for obviously vice captaincy purposes, for your nuffs, these sorts of things. Um, so I'll quickly touch on it. Teams that play early on over the next four rounds, the Brisbane Heat play first, next round being round 10, first again, second of the round, then third of the round. So they're a really good side to target. Um, if you want, say, a, a batsman early on that you don't want to take a risk on, uh, you can play them as your auto-emergency. If they go bad, you leave them out. Minus Labuschagne is a good example of that. Uh, and if they go well, you auto-emergency loot them in your team. The other team there, the Adelaide Strikers, play in the first two games of the final four rounds. So also wonderful for that. On the flip side, playing late in the round, the Sydney Thunder play in the last two games of the final four rounds. I think they play the third game of round 12, uh, but that's a five-game round. The Scorchers in the next two rounds play very late. They might even be the last game. Uh, and then they also have the double round in between there. So they're another good side. The other four sides I didn't mention are fairly mixed draw. So have a look at them if you need to. So what does this mean exactly? For me, as I mentioned before, targeting if I'm targeting a batting pod like Uzi Kawaj, I think he's a great example. Who We know the upside he's got, but he only bats. So there is risk involved. Because the Heat play early, as I said, get him in. Put him as your AE. If he goes nuts, plot him in. If he doesn't, uh, leave him as your AE and, and play another player in your side. Colin DeGrandhome, pending fitness. He's another one you can sort of use this with. Maybe a Henry Thornton. Um, guys playing later on in the round, let's say a Matt Jilks or it might be a Josh Inglis, you might be a bit, bit less inclined to trade in one of these guys or play one of these guys because you're waiting to the end of the round. Uh, and if they get a duck in the final game of the round, you know there's no, I suppose, insurance for those guys. Uh, on, in terms of the teams playing later in the round, the Scorchers and Thunder, these are your ideal targets for your nuffies. By that, I mean your non-players for looping purposes. Now, I think we're pretty well around this already. The best guys for this are Cam Green, who's 62K and not playing in this season. Baxter Holt's another good one for that wicket-keeping loop, uh, but target around the Scorchers and Thunder for that. Now, Max, I know you've got something to touch on there a little bit in terms of strength of, of schedule. So you spoke about your scoring trends, but... Who are the teams who have these soft fixtures and I suppose the hard fixtures? Yeah, this is something I think it's always important to pay attention, even off the back of double game weeks. Um, and realistically, what I'm looking for in here in the draw is who's playing up against the Brisbane Heat, who's playing the Stars, who's playing the Renegades, or who's playing the Hobart Hurricanes. Now, um, there are two teams who don't play either of those sides, so they've got hard fixtures. They're Hobart and Sydney Sixers. So realistically, they're going to be tough uh, teams to load up on, um, which personally I know is difficult because I've probably got about six from um, those clubs combined in my team at the moment, as I would say a lot of people do. Um, but the teams have, that have got the best draw, um, absolutely, it is the Melbourne Stars. So they've got they come up against the Renegade and the Brisbane Heat, uh, and then sneakily a team that not a lot of people uh, own players from is the Sydney Thunder. They've got the Hobart Hurricanes and the Melbourne Renegades in rounds 10 and round 11, uh, which I think is really, really interesting and potentially a place to go and look for a, a pod um, from, from either of those clubs for sure. Um, the issue with the Melbourne Stars, of course, and I'll be keen to get your thoughts on this, is that um, they've been terrible. They, they look like they've checked out. Um, yeah, they, they, they're really, really on the nose and um, there's not really anyone playing for sort of too much of that club. I think we'll get um, a fair indication of that uh, when the strikers take them on at the MCG and we'll sort of see how that one goes. So I don't know if I'm bold enough to kind of take a play from that team and I'm actually personally looking to trade out most of my stars uh, next round. I've only got two. Uh, but yeah, look, Sydney Thunder, I think, are the sneaky, the sneaky option. 
Um, but even having said that, you can pick a VC and a C this way as well, which is why Matt Short, I think, will be so popular um, next week, not just because he's in game one, because he's got this Brisbane Heat outfit who are um, pretty weak at the moment in their bowling stocks. And, and we'll get to the single game week analysis shortly, but it's interesting you say that because the Melbourne Stars, with one of the best fixtures coming up, as you mentioned, just hard to have at the moment. We know they've got the double this week, so we'll probably have maybe guys like Bo Webster or uh, I I think I'm the only one who went with Nathan Coulton Isle because I'm a genius and I've just like gone, <laughs> gone with the tried and tested of NCN. He's been named for game two, so please play <laughs> Colts. Um, a couple of late wickets in the last game. Thankfully, I love that man. Um, but the Thunder are an interesting one, Maxie, you said, because they've got great fixtures coming up. But just know, especially now that Alex Hales is gone, you know, Tanvir Sanger's not playing, no standouts. You mentioned great pot opportunities. Spy, is there anyone from from the Thunder that, and I'll throw to you after, Maxie, but you'd be looking at targeting them because people aren't going to go for them teams. Daniel Sams, he's the obvious one. Um, that injury, not too bad. So he's back playing, so he'll be coming into most sides. But outside of Sams, would there be anyone, Spy, you'd go for? Yeah, outside of Sams... Not a lot, but Ollie Davies, I don't mind. There's a little sneaky play. Given they play late in rounds, he's kind of like if you wanted to have a crack at him, you sit him on your bench and – sorry, other way around. Put him in your starting lineup, and if one of your emergencies fails early in the, the round, you throw Ollie in and see what he can do. He um, He's just batting with so much composure this year, plus his power. Uh, he's pretty cricket smart by the looks of things, so I don't mind him as – He's a classic pod option. Like, there might be guys with higher consistent upside, but I think he's coming around. I think he could be one of the really good players in the next few years. So, yeah, an eye on him for sure as an option. And it's a good perspective, Spy, in terms of what yeah. I spoke about, you know, players early in the round and batsmen late in the round, how they're high risk. You know, you play a gun batsman early in the round, and if they fail, you bring them in. So, you know, in that perspective, you are getting two cracks still. Um, it's not what I'd call secure because they could still go very low late in the end, but it's not as doom and gloom as I probably made it out to be. Maxi, any any of those Thunder players that you'd potentially take a bit of a flyer on? I love the Ollie Davies shout. Um, I think I've spoken about him in the last few pods as well um, in, in that exact role that you've just described. Um, I think the other one that I think is really, really interesting there um, is David Warner. Um, he's kind of like the guy who's coming <laughs> yeah. back from yeah, Test probably cricket. worth a mention. Yeah, look, you know, he's he's done a thing or two in his day, but um, I think that what people don't realise about um, Davy Warner is just how good at T Twenty cricket he is, and people sort of have this opinion of him, like you know, they think about the old switch hits and batting left-handed and all this kind of like um, glamour and, and sort of brute power that he used to bring to the table, but his record is absolutely impeccable. Um, we're talking about a guy who has scored the most runs in IPL history for a, a non-Indian player. Um, and think about the names of batsmen that he's ahead of in that. It's A.B. de Villiers. It's the Chris Gales of the world. Like, he is the man when it comes to T20 cricket. Um, on paper, he's way too good for the Big Bash. Um, I, th- I think that he scored two centuries in his only season um, that he played consistently back in BBL 1. Um, and he is going to scare most people because he's a bat only and he's $200,000. Um, but he could just be the type of guy who can come out here, hit two 70s back-to-back or 40 balls, score you 200 rounds in two single game weeks at 0% ownership um, and really rocket you up the rankings. Um, 
And look, he's he's definitely definitely on my watch list. Yeah, speaking of players that are way too good for the Big Bash and, and Australian T20 cricket, Spencer Johnson. How good was he last night? <laughs> he was outstanding. I believe it was his debut. He didn't take a wicket because he didn't have much help around him. But uh, when every man and his dog around him were going for 10 plus and over, Spencer Johnson, number 22 of 3.2, he was, who was, he was chopping. It was Hardy. Hardy. Yeah, I don't Hardy. Hardy Eskenazi. He Hardy had them all. Hearing. Yeah. I don't think his Cardiff hit the ball yet off him. <laughs> he had so much lift. Oh, he looked exceptional. I can't, he'd been with the strikers, they were saying, for a couple of years. We couldn't get a run. He just played excellent. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll get to those single game targets in a minute. But Davey Warner, as you said, playing late in the round, sole batsman, bit of risk, um, will be an interesting one, Spy. My only issue with Warner, this is totally unrelated to anything, is I just don't really like him that much. And that's obviously not how you win BBL. Uh, this isn't a personal thing. I don't know the bloke. There's just some people in sport you love, others you don't. And I just don't know if he fits the Spies culture. But, mate, look, I just looked up his numbers while you were chatting, Maxie. He is good, isn't he? <laughs> he, he like, he, he is. And it's it's the, the interesting thing about him is that um, he sort of does the same role that we saw Hardy do last night and even kind of Hilton Cartwright, but he just does it better. Um, he, he He's not like a super, super, super high-risk um, Cameron Bancroft lap sweep player who's going to have his front pad exposed in front of the stumps. He, he's a guy who puts the bad balls away um, and at domestic level there's a lot more of them than there are at international level. Um, and he's a guy when he needs to, um, he can he can hit him into the stands um, as clean as anyone. I remember um, when he came on the the scene for New South Wales in the Wilburn Lightning mm. Mercantile Mutual Cup, and he was he was something very very special at that stage. How he played yeah. the one day game was amazing. How's his form been? I don't know if you know in the in the last 12, 24 months in IPL twenty twenty. I don't know. Do, is, has it fallen off a bit, like his tests, or not? Um, a little bit. Like yeah. this is a guy who's who's won IPLs. He's won batting titles at IPLs. He's scored multiple centuries. I think last season was the first time he wasn't picked up in the draft, but he was a late uh, in, inclusion replacement player. Um, but I, I had a look at his numbers yesterday, um, and I think he went over forty or fifty, um, sort of five or six times in in ten knocks. Still scoring. Um, yeah, like he 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 does it he does it very easily, mm. um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if in one of these two games upcoming, um, he he's a match winner at some point. Um, look, it, it's a crazy idea, and I think you're exactly right. You know, it's it's another nail in the coffin if he fails you. Uh, <laughs> just given you don't already like the bloke's spine, but um, he he he, I, I think he's he's really the forgotten man. Um, in terms of super coach, everyone's already screaming from the, the from the from the rafters about some names we'll talk about later, Marnus's, the Travis Heads, etc. And rightly so, but like on on paper, the guy with the best record of them all of these Aussie players by the length of the straight is David Warner. Fair enough. Yeah, and in one of the uh, probably one of the dumbest questions we've ever heard in this podcast, asking Matt Bryden had he followed a player's domestic T twenty form around the globe in the last eighteen to twenty four months? Of course he has. Just a little test. <laughs> oh, man, keep me on my toes, as always, Spy. It's what we <laughs> and, on, and on the Spy, speaking of, since we started this podcast three or so years ago, like one of the nicest blokes on the planet, people always asking about you, mate, and some pub on the weekend, I was having a chat to an SC Playbook uh, subscriber, and he, his first question to me was like, now I need to know, like, what does the Spy do for work? It wasn't even who is he, what's he look like. It was what does he do for work? Now, the exciting thing for that is, but yeah, I was going say, You've bagged out Davey Warner this season and Moses Enriquez. I need. I, I'm going to have to take the nice guy tag off you. You're starting to just launch into people, and I for one like it. I appreciate it, mate. 
Yeah, maybe just hanging out with you a little bit too much, mate. But uh, it's probably good good for the listeners to get a bit of spark. Um, and you know what? I'm happy to tell people I'm actually a bat maker with Josh Brown. So <laughs> we're uh, some big announcements to come over the next week or two heading into the SC Playbook NRL and AFL seasons. Uh, and I'll I'll give you one early. It's that there's going to be a spy reveal. It, it's going to be a it's going to be a head reveal. It's not going to be a you're not going to know who he is. You're not going to know how many international runs he's, he's got unless you're good with your research. But uh, you, you're going to get a head reveal, and it's and I know there's a lot of people very excited about that. that I've told on the sly. I might drop some random facts. <laughs> Spy facts, <laughs> boys. Uh, I sat down with. Our proud, proud sponsors, Paddy and George, from Mortgage Choice during the week. Have a listen to what the boys had to say. Uh, essentially, it's three minutes of me just absolutely giving Paddy smack because it's very easy to do. Very, very. It's easy to pick on the spot. It's easy to pick on Paddy. Uh, but they are very great supporters of the podcast. Jump on, have a listen to what they had to say. A very warm welcome back to the SC Playbook podcast. Is our is our proud sponsors, Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCWR. I don't know if he's told you before or mentioned it, but Paddy's a former rep wicket keeper around uh, around the the Sydney cricket scene. Paddy, how are you, mate? Happy New Year, <laughs> mate! I'll be invoicing you for your time on this, getting such a celebrity to come back on the show. Uh, yeah, rep wicket keeper, mate. Played uh, some rep footy during schools. You know, made some try saving hey, tackles. Timmy, is he, is he also? Uh, he mentioned his his Oztag, um, his Oztag performances. Oh, mate, I've seen his Oztag performances. He, he should stick to rep wicket-keeping, I reckon. <laughs> uh, boys, o- o- also with us is, he's definitely not a former rep wicket-keeper or cricketer, but I've heard a few rumbles that big Georgie Lamona, a former rep rugby league player, mate, more knock him over, rough and tumble. Oh, mate, mate, it's been a few been a few, um, few years since that has happened, mate. But, yeah, used to, used to do all right in the footy field, mate. Bloody hell, dealing with a bit of royalty here. <laughs> Boys, uh, as I said, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Very, very grateful once again for your support. Across 2022 and then now into the start of 2023, the back end of the Big Bash season. Paddy, George, one thing that we've spoken about a lot on this podcast uh, over the past 12 months has been refinancing. And I suppose the question for me is, I know the drips and drabs of it all, but um, George, what do you mean exactly when you say the opportunity to refinancing and how you can help with that? Yeah, definitely, Timmy. It's a hot topic at the moment, of course, um, out there, but it's essentially when we just look at a client's existing loan, um, try and look for a, the, the best rate out there, a better rate out there for them, um, which essentially reduces their, their loan repayments, makes it more affordable. Mate, the big thing at the moment with refinancing and what the hot topic is, and probably many of your listeners who actually have loans already, they would have got loans a couple of years ago on some exceptional fixed rates, so their repayments would be low. But what's happening, what all the talk in the industry is, is that around June, July this year is what they're labelling the max exodus. And it means when all those fixed rates are going to change and expire. So that means someone who's been listening to your podcast, not really paying attention to what rates are doing because it hasn't affected their repayments. Their repayments are going to go from, say, 1200 bucks a month up by an average of three, 400 a month. And that's when people are going to start realising, how do I get this cheaper? And that's where we come in. Yeah, nice, boys. It sounds like the mass exodus that happens when the, the SC Spy gets on the SC Playbook podcast. Um, boys, I, I wish I was in a position where I owned a house and I had to worry about this mass exodus at the end of the, the financial year. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not. But as you said, there might be a few out there. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on with that? 
Mate, the other thing is, and you've probably seen it around, I don't know, I know you don't pay a lot of attention to many things, Timmy, but there's been a lot of banks coming out with these things called cashback offers. Now, that is another great incentive to look at your loan, look at how you can get it cheaper because they're actually going to give you a couple of thousand dollars to move your loan from one bank to another, and that's where we come in again. Definitely. That, that's, right. a, that's the best part about it is um, obviously you're going to be saving money on the cashback and then money on obviously on the... Um, for you SC Playbook listeners, getting that free consult, you're saving $129 too. Mate, you're making me to fun of me, but I have cash back offers on my punny account every single weekend. I go I go through about seven different accounts to get all the best cash back, so I probably know more than you, but actually I should be giving out the advice. Mate, hey, cash back is when you make money, not lose it. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can't lose with cash back on the punt. <laughs> 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Boys, uh, if anyone is in this position, they do want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Mate, honestly, the easiest way is to just send us a message on Instagram, uh, Pat and George at Mortgage Choice. We've had a couple of your listeners already get in touch with us that way. If you're not on Instagram, just jump on the SC Playbook site, any of the articles going out. It's got our numbers on there. Um, Give us a call, send us a message, send us an email, and we'll get the process going for an appointment. Yeah, love it, boys. Got all. There's also a QR code in that graphic in all the storage on the SC Playbook website. Uh, boys, we'll leave it there for today's episode. And once again, thanks for the support this year and cheers for jumping on. Thanks, thanks Timmy. Timmy. Speak soon, mate. mate. Thanks, boys. Good to hear from the boys once again, and thank you for jumping on, guys. Our single game week analysis. Uh, quickly, again, on the fixtures. So we've got two game weeks in a row of single games, and then we have the Brisbane Heat and the Perth Scorchers on the double game week in round 12. So keep an eye on that. Uh, there are no – so there's one more buy to come. The Perth Scorchers in round 13, the final round of the of Supercoach. Following that double game week, they'll have a buy. Um, Spy, I'll start with you, mate. You've essentially got your ideal squad set for the run home in terms of you'll be looking to make those trades in the next two weeks. Yeah, so I might just run through it quickly. It's, it's not overly complicated. I'll break it into wicket keepers, batsmen, and bowlers. Uh, just my starting lineup, and we'll give some shout out to some candidates who I'll, I'll need some loopers. So my keeper uh, will be Josh Inglis. He's in comfortably career best form. How good does he look? And his bat swing when he old mate over his head last night was outstanding. So he's in. I think if you want antipod him, look, like any batsman, you can do it, but Inglis is in for me. Especially um, with that, uh, with the double game week coming up, yeah. you'd be pretty brave to do it. That's it. The Perth guys I'm holding on to, so I've got three of them at the moment. Uh, bats to hold on the bench. He will be my wicketkeeper looping option. Uh, essentially, that means I'll be playing my first keeper on the bench and then flipping backs to Holt um, down to my batsman if, if my wicketkeeper fails. But... Without going too much into that, the batsman would be just quickly, just quickly spy. I think, um, I think Baxter Holt is a must come into the single game week, so yeah. you get that double crack at the <laughs> keeper. Would you agree? Hundred percent. And if anyone's not sure if you had to do that, just give us a shout afterwards. But just tweet the spy, SC spy one, and then he can answer your questions. I'll have a look, but it's 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 brilliant. It's absolute magic. Um, Benny McDermott, Matty Short. I've got Kerr in as a bowler at the moment. I just like his role. He bowls nicely, takes a few catches, and at some stage he's going to score a quick fire 50. I don't want to miss that. Uh, Travis Head will come in because he's at the ultimate end of the spectrum. I absolutely love the bloke. I think I gave him a high five at the SCG about 10 years ago and thought he was the best bloke alive ever since. And Haven't washed your hands since. Yeah, why would you? You can't afford to do something <laughs> like that. No, he's, he's a serious legend, that dude, and he can bat. And I can't wait to see what he can do. 
with his new approach. He's obviously just just found his rhythm in Test cricket, and he's no one's mentioned him, but he's been like our best player this year, nearly with a few very good candidates. Comfortably. Yeah, so with him attacking, I can't wait to see how he goes, and I reckon he might just roll the arm over as well um, with DeGrandholm's injury, so that will be beautiful. Um, Aaron Hardy I'll keep just because they've got the double coming up surely, and he's in good touch. He's a loop option as well. Um, outside of that, I think Joshy Brown on the bench, I think I just want him in because he's so good to watch. But also, he got out last night in very unfortunate circumstances. He looks quite composed. We can loop with him early in games. Oh, wait, I can't remember which one, but he's a good loop opportunity. So he's early, and I think it's an interesting <coughs> one to say that because now mm. that teams are so stacked, like he's a bloke, I would loop and only loop early in terms of that. Like if you yep. were relying on him for the back end, if I was relying on a sole batsman in the back end of the round, I'd want it to be a pretty tried and tested, proven player. Brown, probably not the man for that, but a good early one. For sure. And I was about to throw something... Something crazy out that I think he could score a BBL ton this year, but he might just be a 70 or 80. But I think I think it's possible on a good batting deck. He just looks magnificent. So Joshy Brown, I want a piece of him, bring him in. Then Cam Green, I don't have yet. I've got Cooper Connolly. If I've got a spare trade, I'll use it to go to Cam Green just to make sure he's absolutely not playing if I want to use him as a loop because you get a little bit nervous if it's Cooper Connolly late in a round mm. um, and the pressure's on there. That's the batsman down to the bowlers. We have Manus in there. Obviously, he's a batsman most of he's an all-rounder and super coach. I already have him, so I certainly won't be selling him. question will be, and we may, might talk about this. Let's do it right now. We're on a roll. But Manus, is there any feasibility that people maybe don't grab him now for, after a tough opening? I certainly hope so. Um, but, Maxie, you might be able to answer it for me. He did have a bad over last night, but it was only two bad balls out of six. He almost had Inglis caught at backward point as well, which got misfielded for four. Does he still bowl his two to four each game? Does that throw anything out, or you're not sure at this stage? I'll start. I'll start, yep. and we'll just go. I think, regardless, Marnus will be the most traded in player this week. I don't think it'll matter that he scored poorly. Mm. Uh, so, as a result of that, and we can throw to Maxi, is that where an antipod opportunity comes in? If, like, let's say of the top one, five percent sort of thing, you know, I think it'll be more trade him in because I think they will. Uh, off the back of it was one bad over. We know their bowling socks are a little bit weak. They have a few spinners in their setup. Is there a chance he doesn't bowl them? Because even his big season two back where he averaged 80 or 90-odd, from memory, he didn't average many with the bat. He took a lot of wickets. Um, so is there an antipod opportunity on Minus Lubbershay? I think in that season, which was um, BBL 10 from memory, his batting was a lot of 30 from 30s and you know, 40 from 30s. He's not like a strike rate of 150, 160 plus type character. He's a bit more of like a Hilton Cartwright accumulator mm. um, who might try and launch in a surge if he can sort of take it deep enough, which to be honest, I don't know if it really sort of cuts it um, uh, compared to some of the firepower these teammates have got. So um, is there an is he going to bowl? I think last night was a really interesting one because as you said, like it wasn't that bad of an over, but he just got manhandled and then... Um, it really was like, you know, who wants to go type stuff from Brisbane Heat with Renshaw, Whiteley all kind of having a role. I think ahead to the next game that he will play, which is firstly at Adelaide Oval, which I love and I think that for me really makes Josh Brown an intriguing trade-in prospect yeah. um, for next round. Um, but thinking about that um, uh, Adelaide Strikers lineup that he's facing, um, Travis Head, Alex Carey, two left-handers, he's not going to be bowling much 
to them. Um, it's much more likely to fall to Renshaw, McSweeney, Whiteley, um, just given like minus bowling to Alex Carey and Travis Head is just going to be a recipe for um, you know a, a huge loss for the Brisbane Heat. They'll just be sweeping him into the stands, um, no, no trouble. So um, it's a matchup thing for sure. I think the thing with Marnus though is that looking one round ahead to round eleven, plays the Melbourne Stars. They're just awful right now, and then goes into what's probably the best double game week of any of the remaining teams in 12. Like up against Hobart, who are rubbish, um, and the Melbourne Stars again. Um, we mentioned, you know, just how rubbish they are, but I'm always happy to stick the boot in them. Um, so, like, I think if you don't – there isn't there is an antipod opportunity for 10, um, but I think that legally you've got to own him in 11 um, and, you know, 12, 12, it's a must for sure. And, and look, that that could be very, very, very well what I do. Yeah, nice. And on the flip – You'd also mention Adelaide's the best batting track in Australia right now by some stretch, so he'll be batting on that. He could go mad as well. But, yeah, it's good thought. Maybe you do antipod next round if you need to make try and make a bit of a splash. Uh, thoughts, mate? Just the only thing I would say um, when it comes to the Adelaide Oval, this time last year with uh, a, a number of games in quick succession, they started using old pitches okay. for, for matches. Now, last year was pretty extreme because it was a COVID year. There was a lot of games crammed into a much sort of shorter period of time. But before the last match there, we're talking about the dryness of the deck, which is what happens when you don't have a new deck and you're using an old one and you're just sort of rolling it in, which means it's okay to bat on for the first few overs, but then it very quickly starts to sort of break up, spikes go through it, balls go through it. So while it is a good pitch, and um, it's definitely better than some of the ones we were getting at the start of the season, it might not be the paradise, but you know, we're not going to know that at all um, until really the broadcast starts 45 minutes before the game. So um, just, just sort of something to think of that while it's really good, um, if there are games in quick succession at Adelaide Oval, typically the second game isn't as good as the first. Mm. Thank you, Harry Thornton. Hello. He'll be back. Harry Thornton. <laughs> who's, who's he play for? Uh, Henry. That's Harry. boy. Harry. No, it, it's his little little brother. He's coming in red hot <laughs> on the heels of Henry. Sorry, Henry. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, just on that minus season, uh, according to Supercoach stats, I've just got up here. <laughs> Scores of 28, 49, 46, 6, 32, and 15. So, Maxi, surprise, surprise, you're on the money. Um, one annoying thing about that is it's uh, they don't really divulge whether it was a double game week on the uh, Supercoach site. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's a bit annoying. So, But according to that, 49 to 46, could have been a double, might not have been. Don't know. Um, Spy, continue on with your side, mate. Yeah, uh, oh, sorry, in that same season, yep. in the <clears throat> six games you played, two wickets, one wicket, three wicket, three wicket, one wicket. Ooh. Yeah, big. And, and he started that season at 62.5K as well and ended yeah. up at like 250. It was just phenomenal. He gets fielding wickets as well. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting call. It's, he's certainly not – no one's a must in this game, more often than not, except for doubles, and he's not a must for next this round. in like, particular. Yeah, that's it. Uh, continuing on, I've got Shawnee Abbott I held on to. Um, me and Tim have loved him for a long time. I never hesitated. Um, shame I wasn't on the last pod because we could have had a bit of banter about that as well. Um, but <laughs> for me, and then this is where it gets interesting, right? The last couple of bowling spots, I've just done this reasonably quickly. Things can change, but it's wide open. I've got essentially five guys I put I could put in, but I think Daniel Sam's likely to be one of them. Um, let's have a close look on him this round. See what's happening. See how he's looking injury wise. Tom Rogers continuing to get the job done. I think he could come in for me. He's just taking wickets. He's bowling really well with confidence. I opened the bat the other day. Did he? 
different Tom Rogers. Nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what did I miss? He should open the back. He, he can hit them. Get them both up top. Um, and then from there, for me, it's like I've got Henry Thornton as a as an option, and I can potentially even loop Thornton then, which would be perfect. So we'll see how his role plays out, whether he's back shortly. Kane Richardson, Marcus Stoinis, if he returns, all options. So I think the bowling stocks are wide open, uh, which is exciting. Um, what do you think, boys? We've spoken about uh, Marnus. We've spoken about Davey Warner, Travi Head. Uh, one that we haven't really touched on and another great one for looping on, uh, Uzi Kwaja. Uh, who we can loop. We know he's got that upside. He's in red-hot form. Maxi, any love for, for Uz? Uz, he's one of those guys who has to do a lot to score well, mm. um, sort of like Steve Smith in that sense. Um, you spoke about like the Manus runs that uh, he scored in BBL 10 and the strike rate wasn't really there. I, I feel like Uzi's like super high-risk, high-reward guy. Um, could absolutely come off and, and and go nuts and like they they play on some pretty good grounds. I think the Brisbane Heat, the next couple of ones, Adelaide Oval, but never been a guy that I've loved just because he's he's like old school bat only, like gets hidden in the field um, and sort of rocks are diamonds. But like you know, we we all know what he can do for sure. I think personally, if I'm going to take a flyer and a guy from the Brisbane Heat for a loop, um, it would be Josh Brown for sure because um, he's looked he's looked exceptional. Yeah, mate, I've got, I had Brown in front of Uzi for that reason, and it's just how Supercoach scoring is. If they both score 40, to every likelihood, Uzi might end up with 45 points, whereas you know that Brown's two hits away from a um, 50 off 20 balls, which is huge. So and, that's and, and on those two blokes, they're a great example. It's, I was watching Aaron Hardy last night, and we look at batsmen, and we look at the magic number, and that's 20 runs because that initiates the strike rate bonus. But as you said, your strike rate still needs to be there. If you don't, strike rate's not there, it's irrelevant. So Aaron Hardy last night, I was death riding him as a non-owner and he hit his 20 off about 17, had a couple of dot balls and got to about 23 off about 20 and I'm going, you know, if he gets out now, that's like 23 points and he was similar, it was around about 33 off about 30. That wouldn't even be enough to initiate the strike rate bonus which starts, get five points for 120 strike rate plus. He wasn't there, and I'm going, if he gets out now, like off, off the top of the head, you're going, oh, you know, there's runs, uh, good points, but it wasn't actually that much. You need to have a good strike rate. So it goes up to a strike rate of 160 plus. That gives you a 25-point bonus, which is where obviously Brown comes in because he does it nearly every time because he's a maniac. Uh, what do you reckon, Maxie? Man, you're exactly right, but I think that's just game situation and really just shows the maturity of a guy like Hardy. Mm. Um, he knew that if he could take it deep, particularly watch his mate Josh Inglis bat like a little bit riskier and sort of keep the strike rate and the run rate under control, um, that all it took, all it would take would be one over of the surge, um, field up, balls go over their head, um, and then that strike rate bonus would, would sort of kick in. Um, it's exactly how he batted the game before um, in a similar chase, a low chase against the Brisbane Heat. Um, it's exactly what he did against the Sydney Sixers in that game, second game of the season for the Sixers, where they were like five for shit. Um, and he said, oh, sorry, I'm not sure if I can swear on this podcast or not. But <laughs> you can get away with that one, mate. I'll let you off the hook. Yeah, righto. So look, and that's exactly what he did against the, the Sydney Sixers. He was like 30 off 30 and he ended up being like 60 off 40. Um, he, he's got power in the bank and um, it's, it's risk-free. I think that's what I really, really like about Hardy. And again, like this is why, benefit of hindsight, I was sitting there thinking – 
this is probably what's going to happen um, if I choose him over Ashton Agar. Um, and it just it just did happen um, up against a weak side. So maybe the next couple of games for the Perth Scorchers, he's got the Sydney Sixers, maybe he doesn't have the luxury of that if they're batting first and there's good bowlers consistently sort of putting him under the pressure. But look, the script was written for him last night to dominate and he, and he did just that. And that, like Semi Harper as well, another fantastic example. Semi Harper, his last two games, he's gone absolutely mm. massive, um, just capitalising in the surge, hitting like you know, 25, 30 runs in the surge just off his own bat. It's just, just incredible stuff and really, how the surges change the game yeah nice um just on hardy also went none from 10 against spencer johnson so that hurt him <laughs> he couldn't <hit> him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah right strikes everything and that's why when i was watching the game last night towards the end i was like please hit a couple in the stands because th- those last 16 runs he got off three or four balls actually eventuated to be about 36 points because he bumped that strike rate up so it's all <laughs> important um and while i finish um I did mention Ollie Davies, but I only want one one player on my bench from each position, batting and bowling, not two, to activate that loop. So Brown comes in ahead of Ollie Davies at this point in time. Uh, then Willip, uh, Philippi and Wade, they've got to be on the watch list. They're both class. I think Philippi at the SCG's got a couple coming up. That's his preferred venue. So I nearly kept him over Kerr last night. And I thought, no, I'll keep Kerr and then look at Philippi later on as an option um, and go from there. There'll be some big decisions, I think, made in, in coming rounds between Philippi, Wade and McDermott. All blokes with big upside. You probably don't want to be carrying all three, especially as those two sides tend to be playing later on in the round. Um, I'm still working out what I'll do there. Maxi, uh, elaborating on what we sort of spoke about there, but antipods, uh, I think, are going to be the key to the overall Supercoach title. Um, we talk about pods, those point of difference play, players, but it is the anti-pods in Big Bash because we know how low players can go. NRL, AFL super coach, a gun player, you know, is consistently going to get you 50 or 60 or 80, whatever it is. In Big Bash, they can go one or they can go 150. So who are the anti-pods on your radar, those highly owned players that you're thinking, you know what, don't need them? Yeah, look, there's there's really two that come to mind, and I'm trying to be unemotional this um this big bash year and just sort of pick things on uh, on a bit of data um, and stuff um, rather than just blokes I like. And the two names that come to mind that are pretty highly owned just because of recent doubles are one Ben McDermott and two Josh Philippi. Um, McDermott, he's got the double again um, in round thirteen, and that looks you know like a, a time where you'll you'll have to own him. Um, but for the next two single game weeks, he's got the Sydney Thunder. Uh, and the Perth Scorchers, who are both two good bowling attacks. And you can just sort of see him against the Sydney Thunder potentially just getting um, the ball from Chris Green that he hits straight up the chimney um, and he's out cheaply. Um, and Perth Scorchers as well. Look, Berendorf's going to find that big front pad of his, like, you know, that's written in the stars. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think that while you'd, you'd want to get him back, and, and he's a handy guy to have around and potentially use as, like, your backup wicket keeper if your first bloke um, fails. I think that there's an antipod opportunity on him um, if there are people who are still still owning him. Um, the other one is Josh Philippi, and we know he's highly owned. It's it's a hard one to sort of cut through the data because there's a lot of people who aren't like at the top end of town who just pick him um, from round one. Um, but again, just on draw, he's got Perth, Adelaide, and Sydney Thunder, who are um, the three of the best four clubs in terms of defensive super coach. They've got the best bowling attacks, so the hardest to score against. Um, and while he's got the SCG factor in his corner spy, which is real, um, there's every chance that he's got 
a couple of cheap knocks in him. Um, the only thing I'm sort of clinging on to, um, and like this is a really hard sort of statistical sort of comparison to try and draw, is that he's got a really sort of sneaky um, best friendship with Steve Smith. Um, they're very sort of like-for-like player in terms of um, their obsession uh, with batting, <laughs> batting long and big hours. And last time Smith came back to the Sixers, uh, I think it was that, it was BBL 9 or BBL 10 season. Um, Philippi was in a slump, kind of like he's in now, um, and he just snapped right out of that when he had uh, Smudge in his corner, um, and three of his next four knocks were 50-plus were um, at a decent clip as well. So something's telling me that Philippi, you know, we know he's got big ones in him, um, but there could be a really nice antipod opportunity there, particularly just with how loaded um, the wicketkeeper positions is. Um, look, like there's a world where Joe Clark's the best keeper in the next two weeks, given he's got the Renegades and the Brisbane yeah. Heat. Um, you know, Josh Inglis isn't going anywhere for most people. So they're, they're the two on my mind. What, what do you think, Spy? Well, just just you mentioned Joe Clark there. Once he scores a, a ton for me tonight, uh, you'll probably be right, right back in the reckoning. So I hope he explodes. <laughs> Mate, you and me both. After getting run out the other night. Oh, <laughs> as, a, as a non-Clark owner, to see him get run out was so, so <laughs> enjoyable. Gee, that must have hurt. Uh, um, and I agree with you on Philippi, mate. We know there could easily be a big scoring coming, but he just reeks of the antipod opportunity for me. Uh, and there's there's one other that I think is almost too obvious, but almost too dangerous, and it's just avoiding Matty Shorter's skipper. Now, the strikers play early on in the next couple of rounds, and off what he's done this season, he is the obvious go-to skipper option. Um, his role's good. He's seen him like beach balls. But because everyone's going, if he goes low and you jag a better skipper elsewhere, great opportunity spy. Yeah, um, he's the perfect VC the next couple of rounds. Early games, VC on him 100%. Mm. If he happens to score his 8 or his 10, which is unlikely, but could happen, you get a free shot at someone else. Um, so you do that for sure. Just quickly on Philippi, I forgot to say, but there is something... I'm feeling a big score or two coming as well. So the only reason I ended up getting rid of him is because I checked his stats and not many people sold him again. They all sold Kurt. There is a love affair with Philippi. I don't fully understand, but yeah. you've just got to pick your moments on him. And I've got a feeling he's going to go off, but he's almost too hard. You almost have to antipod him, I feel, based on those numbers. But, oh, should you nervous watch? Maxi. Yeah, I was just going to say on Kerr, like the reason I, I held him um, above others was Chris Jordan's left. Someone's going to have to bowl death, and I just think it's going to be him and Sean Abbott for the for the Sydney Sixers. So um, all of a sudden, you got a death bowler in your batters, which is yeah. um, you know he's he's done it already this season a few times, and I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, the other thing, just on Matt Short as well, they're playing at Coffs Harbour in round 11, which is becoming a bit of an annual fixture between the Sydney Sixers and Adelaide Strikers, which is awesome. Coffs is one of the few regional grounds in Australia where the pitch is first-class quality, um, and the boundaries are all of 50 metres square, um, which is where we know Matt Short loves to whip balls off his hip. So um, he's, I think he's going to be my VC for, for both of these single game weeks. I'm even struggling to think who my C might be even just beyond him because his role is just that plum. Um, but look, you'd be you'd be a brave man, uh, Timo, if uh, if if you went that way of uh, selling off short. That's 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 it, for sure. It wasn't so much selling; it was it was the skipper option and going elsewhere mm. on the skipper. So selling him entirely, like that's that's lunacy. <clears throat> and it's probably also sitting in seventy seventy sixth. It was like a if you're one of them super coaches who's going 
first or nothing. Like, may as well throw everything at it. I don't care if I fall down to 200, 300. I'm in, I'm sitting, you know, top 500 or top 200, and I'm going to throw everything at the stumps. Well, that can be a play. If you're like, you know what, I still want to finish top 100 or top 200, probably not the play. Consolidate. But if you're throwing everything at it, I, it's fine. Spy. Yeah, I have nothing against the kitchen sink play of just not not going near him as a skipper. Uh, if that's your approach, which I don't, I don't mind at all. If you're sitting, if you're sitting seventieth or say you're fortieth with two rounds left, then absolutely have a crack at it. Hope he fails, gets a duck, then doesn't get a wicket. It's it's probably going to happen at some point. Um, what I would suggest is mathematically you don't want to do it every week because he's going to go off at some point and undo all your good work. But if you can pick the week to do it, don't mind having a crack at that either. Uh, if, you, yep. if you're having a real crack at things. Guys, if you are after a cheeky little punt, jump in and have a crack with PlayUp. Some of the most competitive odds in the business, best custom service in Australia with outstanding client managers. They offer a huge selection of markets for racing and sport. My favourite thing about them, they're an Australian-operated bookie, so you've got to love that. Guys, to see for yourself exactly what they can offer, head to any of the links in our stories on the website also, as QR code there that you can scan to take you through. Uh, of course, 18 plus only and gamble responsibly if you want to go and have a look at play up. Um, Spy, we've spoken about your trade plans in the next couple of rounds. Uh, fire your skippers out as for rounds 10 and 11. I suppose it'll be probably short VC by the sounds of it. Yeah, short VC, both of them. Then if he does fail, it really opens things up. I think I'll just play it on a whim just to see how I'm feeling, but I've just penciled in maybe a Tommy Rogers option round 10. He must have a good matchup. I can't remember who it is, but yeah, he could take four or five again, maybe get a hit with the willow, but I'll tell you what, if short does fail, it's going to open things wide open for that round. Mm, it will. Uh, Maxi, you can touch on your trade plans the next two weeks and then your skippers on top of that. Yeah, trade plans are pretty tough at the moment. I'm really struggling just to kind of um, pull apart my team because I've got so many more batters than I normally sort of sit comfortably in my side. Like I've got the likes of um, uh, Philippi, Clark, Lynn, Inglis, Caleb Jewell. Caleb Jewell's a tough one because like, you know, he's been amazing, but... The, you know, the, the party's going to stop at he's one point. He's a hard hold, isn't he? A hard bet. You hate yeah. trading people in red-hot form, but he's a hard hold. That's it. And he's been um, he's been like the perfect loop for the last two weeks, but I don't know if it's going to work out as much uh, that I can do it. Um, so trade-outs are really hard. Like poor little – poor the, the Agar brothers um, might be leaving the Spice Men. Um, oh, no. And, and, and Luke, Luke Wood could be done. But look, just in terms of trade-in targets – um, I, I love the I love the Josh Brown call. I think that getting him in next round could be really exciting um, as a loop, particularly ahead of Marnus. I think Marnus for me might be um, around eleven play. Uh, I've got enough funds to make it happen, no matter how I want to do it. But um, I, I think just think that like Brown, I'd love to just know his ownership. I don't know it off the top of my head, but he's he's on the wish list. Um, Travis Heads don't don't mind the strikers next match up against the Adelaide Oval targeting, which would mean I'd have Short, Lynn, and Head, knowing that this would be Lynn's last game in round eleven. So he then probably becomes the minus play, uh, the minus trade in. Um, the other one, I, I think I, I might – I need to check how many bowlers I've got, but I'm very, very interested in either a David Warner pod move um, or even like a Marty Guptill. Um, the Melbourne Renegades play the Melbourne Stars, um, who again, you know, for the 12th time this podcast, happy to tell you that they're awful. Um, <laughs> so, look, someone's going to go big 
up against the, the Melbourne Stars. Someone's going to take lots of wickets. Someone's going to score lots of runs. So if you pick that guy, you can move up the rankings pretty hard. Um, the other one that I might have to do next week, either with a boost or just go straight there, would just be Hardy. Um, and that's just because particularly if he goes off again in his second game, um, his price is going to start to get out of control and he might be too expensive for that double game week, which he's going to be the most popular player um, in, in round 12. So Brown, Head, Warner, Hardy, uh, the likely targets for next week, knowing that I've still got a boost in hand. Mm. Um, I think round 12 for me, very straightforward. Um, sorry, round 11, very straightforward, just targeting Brisbane um, Brisbane and Perth guys. So uh, whoever are the popular guys from Perth that I don't own, I'll be getting them in, um, and the Brisbane Heat. And that's such a good round to go early on both of them because the Heat in 12 have got the Melbourne Stars, so that's almost like having three games in a single round. Um, and um, Perth Scorchers have got Hobart Hurricanes as well. So um, so go big. It's going to be really, really good. And maybe I'll save the boost just for just for that round so I can um, really, really go hard in the paint. Yep. I like all that, mate. Uh, pretty – my trade out over the next two weeks, relatively straightforward, thankfully. Uh, Chris Lynn, who's departing for another tournament very shortly. Uh, Agar of the Ashton variety. I'd love to hold Colin DeGrand home as my little AE loop early on, but he's missing a game with a hammy niggle. He's about 68 years old, so probably not necessary. Nathan coulton uh even worse injury concern. So I love Coults, but he'll have to go. Meredith, uh, I, I don't know how many people will get rid of Nathan Ellis, but he was so good the other night as skipper. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hold on to Ellis. Uh, so be trading all them. Ellis, Again, I might look to hold on to him. Uh, and then two of probably Wade, McDermott or Phillippe will have to go. I think I want to go the antipod route with uh, getting rid of Josh Phillippe. Spy. Did forget to mention, Ellis, he, um, he's hopefully just coming into some form. Gee, that man can charge in. I'll tell you what, he just straight up, straight in hard at the crease and has a crack. Um, he didn't make the list because of how Hurricanes are going at the moment, as mentioned, Maxim, mm. Ma- Maxie mentioned. But he, I'm not writing him off as maybe a fifth bowler or a loop option. And I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but Alex Carey as well, coming back for Adelaide. He's class, heading yeah. top four, yeah. I imagine. Um, he'd be riding mm. the hunt as well in the mix. Yeah. Would love to Great see. Great keep a loop option. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, for the yeah. next two. Yeah, true. Good call, Spy. Uh, my trade ends, again, as I said, uh, Max, you always hard this far out, but I also have a boost up my sleeve. Targets will be, obviously, Martin Slubber-Shane. Maybe one of... I don't know. I don't know. It's all, all happening. I, I was a little bit keen on Uzi, but the way I'd be going Uzi is if people don't flock to him, I expect he'll be pretty popular. So I was going him as more of a pod play, but if he does get pretty decent ownership, it takes a lot of the fun and value away from him. So maybe one of him or Davey Warner, Dan Sams, because lots would have sold him uh, having missed that game. Keen to get him back in. Travi Head, obviously Alex Carey's on the radar. And then the other one, I know he didn't even play two games ago, but Henry Thornton, another good AE one early on in the round, who we know he's upside there. We don't need to speak any more about Henry Thornton or his brother Harry. Uh, my round <laughs> 10 skippers, VC Matty Short. Hopefully he just delivers and we don't have to worry about skipper, but Sean Abbott, uh, my boy, my man crush, loves Sabah. Round 11 skippers, I think the play there and the one that will be very popular is VC Martin Slubbershane, provided he does come into my side, which looks likely. Uh, into C, Matty Short. Uh, guys, we'll just throw up uh, one question from the uh, SC Playbook BBL subscribers group. Maxi Bryden, a bloke we haven't spoken about today, a bloke I know you've been a little bit vocal about in our chat from Corey. Is it worth bringing in Will Sutherland next week? What What's your takes on whipping Will? 
Well, mate, I'll tell you what, last last year it was Matt Short who was teasing me the whole time, just saying like, mate, you're wrong. I'm I'm good. Um, <laughs> and, and and this year it's um it's the big chief, um, Will Sutherland. Um, I, I think the thing with Chief is that um he's just sort of starting to do, I guess, what he's like they've been telling us he can do for the last four years. Um he, he's he's scored over twenty a few times now, um, which is really really handy, um, and he's he's bowling his overs. He's not necessarily getting his four, um, but the overs he are bowling like they're not the worst, and he's just sort of got that sneaky knack of um, of taking a big wicket. I think last week he scored well, thirty off not many, um, and took like one for fifteen from three overs, and and you know net result was a hundred supercoach points. Um, so you can't sneeze at that. Um, particularly in a week where he's playing up against the Melbourne Stars. Um, the only thing that's really kind of saying that he's not an absolute lock, um, and I, I will have a big look at him this week, is just that up against the Melbourne Stars, like he bats seven, who knows if he gets a go. Um, like they could do it easy. So, you know, we'll um, we'll have to see how he goes. Spy, what do you reckon? Yeah, Will, my, my issue with him, he showed really good glimpses of form and what he can do, but they just don't really want to bat him, do they? Like they've got him down at seven, I think it is. They're not happy to promote him at any stage. We, we've seen what he could do. He'd come out the other night, and I think he put one on the roof first ball to win him the game. But maybe it's just a youth thing where they want to give him a little bit little bit of exposure and then maybe unleash him next year. But just with that batting role, as you mentioned, versus Stars, I'm a bit, little bit wary, but I'm not off him. Um, he's an option for sure, but he probably won't be in my plans, I don't think. Last thing I'll say is that if Kane Williamson does miss with a side strain, um, he will bowl his four and he'll probably bowl death, in which case, oh, oh, oh. like, considering he's, he's, he's DPP, like, he, he could be awesome. Could, yeah. could be really, really yeah. awesome. But look, it's probably only a two-week play at max, um, just given the need to start loading up on doubles in, um, in 11. I've got a contributor's question, actually. I'll, I'll have, I won't put it via the WhatsApp group. I'll ask directly. When Marnus is your VC in two weeks, which is what I'll actually do as well, I think, what does he have to score not to take <laughs> short? Ooh. I'd nearly rather just go, just based on that question, I'd nearly rather just go VC short and find another captain later so I don't have to make that decision because oh, that'd be tough. And what's the number? Timo? Max is higher than me. I know that. On a single game week, oh, I would probably say I'd probably loop 75 to 80. I know. I think Max is going to say something far higher. <clears throat> I think I will say something higher, but I think what I'll do is I'll answer this after round ten. Um, we know that with CDG out and Head coming in, that the bowling rotation could change. Yeah. Um, we also don't know what's going to happen with Siddle, Thornton, Menenti, Boyce. Like there's a, there's as many moving parts in that team as there as there is in any um, of the BBL clubs right now. So um, I'll, I'll I'll answer that one after round ten, mate. When I know how many overs he's going to bowl. He's getting overs. I'll give you the tip, but fair enough. Yeah. Look, the thing on him though, he's just taking wickets this year for fun, which is just you know he's gone from being like a tidy bowler to he's good. He's really bowler. good. So yeah, yeah I, I think I, I reckon I I reckon I'd probably go seventy. Just, just in case, you never know if he's going to get one from his name on it. He's playing the sixes yeah, across lower. the bowl, so doesn't that must yeah. change probably, June? Does it when you think when you think of things out loud? Yeah, <laughs> I think like the, the sixes are the sixes are good at bowling. It it could be it could be tough. Last last year the pitch was a bit was a bit 
tougher in coughs than it was the year before. But Dorsius, Dorsius slides one straight across him, Nick to Philip. Uh, he he eats left-handers for breakfast, mate. Dorsius is going over the over the grandstand let's see, coughs let's see. from buy, that show. Buy me a match. It'll be Sabah sliding one into his pad or sock, getting one under his bat. You know, well, that'll Dor- that'll be how they do it. If it's Dorsus to Philip, you can buy me a jug, and if not, we'll, we'll reassess our terms. Boys, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there before the spy starts teeing off on you, Maxi, like he has every other cricketer in Australia. <laughs> Maxi, uh, thank you very much, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, you know, if this is the last podcast I get to do for the season, because I know we're getting to that time of the year, mm. Timo, I just want to say a big thank you to you, mate, for uh, helping orchestrate all this. Um, slightly smaller thank you to Spy, but it's always <laughs> great to have a chat. Um, but the biggest thank you has to go, of course, to all the listeners, all the subscribers for, for making this all possible. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, what's been an amazing season. Been an absolute masterclass, Maxi boy, and we we will be doing a uh, around twelve and thirteen podcast. Um, whether Maxi gets a start, I don't know. He's a busy man. He does have a job outside of SC Playbook. I know that might uh, surprise many, but uh, all good, mate. And uh, Shadab, you've also been fantastic today with a bit of with a bit of fire in the belly. Thanks, boys. Yeah, I've got to get back to making bats myself with Joshy Brown um, and Maxi. I do love you, mate. Don't you don't ever question it. No, mate, that's, I never did, and I'm really looking forward to that <laughs> schooner next week. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in.